welcome to Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Vlakis and I'm an expert certified fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist, a multiple award-winning virtual fertility and pregnancy nutrition clinic serving thousands from around the world and of course, the host of this pod, Fertility Friendly Food. This podcast is dedicated to all things health and nutrition in the world of fertility, reproductive health and pregnancy. Each week, I bring you practical snack-sized episodes to help improve your lifestyle on your trying-to-conceive journey, alongside guest expert interviews to help inspire you to learn and grow whilst you grow your family. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fertility of Friendly Food, the podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie, an expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist. And welcome back to another installment of our PCOS mini series in honor of September being PCOS Awareness Month. And this episode is one that I'm personally a little interested in in more than usual and you'll hear why in a few short minutes but it is all about gut health and its links to PCOS. So I of course invited our senior team dietitian Candice Crellin, expert fertility and pregnancy dietitian and nutritionist with extensive experience in PCOS and it's one of her key interest areas here in our virtual clinic to come and join us and share about some of the emerging research linking gut health and PCOS and what dietary and lifestyle strategies we can use to optimize our gut health for PCOS. And I guess a little insight into where we think the future may lead us when it comes to gut health and PCOS research. So without any further ado, let's make Candice welcome back on the pod. Welcome back, Candice, to another installment in our PCOS mini series. This episode is all about the relationship between the gut microbiome and PCOS. So welcome back, Candice. Thanks, Steph. Thanks for having me back again. It's been great, this little PCOS mini series we've been doing. Yeah, absolutely. Some really great topics. I feel like I could talk about different little areas of PCOS endlessly. So <laughs> it's not. <laughs> have a whole month dedicated to PCOS. So I think for a lot of people, you know, we've seen a lot of emergence of gut health and gut health research and all about the gut microbiome, but perhaps the gut microbiome and its link to PCOS has not received as much attention as perhaps other areas. So first of all, before we dive into the relationship between gut microbiome and PCOS, can we define a little bit what we're talking about when we say the gut microbiome? Because It's thrown around a lot, but (laughs) we need a definition to start, I feel. It is, definitely. So I guess when we're we're thinking about it, I think the media kind of use a lot of these terms interchangeably, but if we're talking about gut microflora, we're talking about the actual bacteria that live in the large intestine. And now we know there's billions and billions of, of these bacteria that are in our intestine. The bacteria basically everywhere in your body, but we're obviously focusing on the gut-related ones today. 
The gut microbiome, on the other hand, is more about the genetic information that's found inside those microbes. So I think you know, we do kind of throw around the two together, but it is about the, the actual bacteria and then what um, the genetic makeup of those bacteria is the actual gut microbiome itself and I guess yeah we've had lots and lots of great research coming out and I think it's it's definitely going to be a huge area to to keep an eye on and watch this space in the future. Yeah it's look gut microbiome research was only really starting up maybe I mean when I was at university they were saying it, it was new and that was probably 10 years ago now and so if we think further back than that, maybe 10 or 15 years old, I mean, it's super new. And so then we're only really seeing these little tributaries to other areas of health only now, and PCOS being one of them. So obviously the bacteria and other kind of microbes that live here now, dominantly we're talking about large intestine here, have a variety of different roles. But we understand that some profiles or microbiome profiles are more associated with better health and different kind of health markers versus others. Although the specificity of what is a healthy gut microbiome, they don't seem to really understand. So what is the link so far to between the gut microbiome and PCOS specifically? Yeah, so I think we have seen that women with PCOS will have some changes or some alterations in their gut microbiome. So while we don't have a definition of what is normal, we certainly know there's some species of gut microbiome that are helpful and others that, I guess, potentially not harmful, but they're linked to kind of worse sort of health outcomes and medical conditions and the like. So what we see with PCOS is that we do have some slightly lower beneficial bacteria and perhaps a little bit of overpopulation of some of those less helpful bacteria. Now, I guess it's a little bit chicken and egg. We don't know at this stage, you know, whether PCOS is affecting the microbiome or whether the microbiome is, you know, influencing the PCOS. We think it's a little bit of both, but we... We're still kind of learning all the mechanisms at this stage. So it's a little bit of a a watch this space and we'll probably have a bit more clarity about this over the years. But the important point is that there's alterations in the gut microbiome with PCOS and that's what we can address now. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who don't know, I am an absolute microbiology nerd. (laughs) Mostly because it was almost my major in my undergrad degree. So microbiome stuff really interests me. Although I don't work exclusively in the gut health space, I do just have a real passion for microbiome related research and its role in different health concerns. And some of the interesting stuff that I have read about, which is very new research just the last few years, that there's some suggestion in the studies that other related concerns like insulin resistance or using hormonal contraceptives pills to quote unquote manage PCOS and of course different amounts of body fat and body weight can all affect the composition and diversity of the gut microbiome in those with PCOS. And the best way to kind of know what's going on with um, gut microbiome kind of research, and this was how we kind of started to understand that the gut microbiome was really related to our physical health and how we felt and and disease states and so on is they usually get a what's called a germ-free mouse which doesn't have any kind of microbes in it which is obviously not healthy or good but what they try and do is and 
They then use fecal matter of another mouse that maybe has the target disease and transplants it into the germ-free mouse and and observes and sees if it can acquire the same condition or the same symptoms or the same biochemistry markers the the sick mouse, quote-unquote sick. I'm obviously oversimplifying here. But there was a mouse model done for the PCOS phenotype, which is the quote-unquote disease state, and they did show that with the fecal transplant that there was ovarian dysfunction, immune changes, and insulin resistance in the mouse that received the fecal transplant from somebody with PCOS. So really fascinating to start to see this emergence. Obviously, it doesn't has limited applicability when it comes to humans so far, but super interesting to see the emergence of this kind of research and relationship between the gut microbiome and PCOS for sure. Enough about the research because I could nerd out and talk about it for an hour. What can we do to influence the gut, our gut health and our gut microbiome on a practical level? Yeah, look, I guess there's lots of different things that we, we look at when we're talking about gut health and you know, we're always going to look at the, the diet side of things as like a primary thing that we're looking at. But I think if we're looking at things like um, how much fiber we're eating, that's super important for our gut health. And I think we've known that for a long time, but we're now kind of getting a bit more reasons as to, to why and its relationship to the gut microbiome now, which is really incredible. I think the diversity of our diet is really important, in particular, like the number of plant-based foods that we are consuming. And I guess like we've always known like diets like the Mediterranean diet, where there's lots of plant diversity, have some really good health benefits. And I guess, you know, we can start to, to predict that some of the reasons why that might be is because of the, the positive influence on the gut microbiome too. So looking at kind of the variety in our diet is super important too. We've got things like um, fermented foods now. So we can look at our intake of things like our kombuchas and kimchi and sauerkrauts and, and those types of things and we know that there's definitely lots of health benefits to including some of those in the diet we're looking at sort of the prebiotic based fibers in our diet we're looking at the antioxidants that we we consume all those things are a really important sort of overview of what we're looking at on the diet side of things We know like sleep can impact our microbiome, stress can impact our microbiome. I think these come up kind of in lots of the things that we we talk about where we see that they're all interrelated. Exercise has a positive impact on our gut microbiome. And then we've got the impact of of medical conditions, of, of taking medications or antibiotics in particular. Those types of things are all really important too. Absolutely. And there is so many cool little things as well that they're starting to research like if you own a pet or if you grew up with a dog or how many siblings you had and like all this cool research that about like early life exposure to bacteria in those early years and how that it sets up the gut microbiome which is something that we're really passionate about and talk a lot about with our clients who are trying to conceive and become pregnant and into parenthood is about um, setting up that gut microbiome as best as possible. So practical level, we're talking about plenty of fiber, maybe some fermented foods. Are there some goals here that people can work towards or some examples that we can give them to help them give some practical tools to focus on their gut health with PCOS? 
Yeah, definitely. I guess one of the very simple ones we use lots with our client base is, is trying to aim for 30 plus um, plant foods per week. Um, and so you can do this by like writing down each different kind of plant-based food that you're eating and do that over a week and see how many different plants you're actually consuming. So, you know, sometimes we see people that have exactly the same breakfast every day, exactly the same lunch every day. And while they might be eating really healthy choices, they're just not getting the diversity because of the repetition in the diet. And so, you know, we can do something really simple. Like if you think about having a bowl of oats, so some porridge for breakfast you might just have you know some porridge and some milk and you've got one plant being the oats in that there if you then looked at well how can I increase the plant diversity you might think oh I'll add some mixed berries into that and then you might have so three or four more plants in there just by choosing different types of berries you might add some cinnamon for some flavor and then you've got another one there too you might add some chia seeds in there and then we've got another plant as well so it's just thinking about where can we incorporate more different types of foods into our diet if you're not using herbs and spices can you start adding herbs and spices to your meals those types of things and and really getting yeah just getting that variety in your diet and you might keep the same core foods uh, because that's what you like to do but then it's what can you sprinkle around it to really you know flavor things up and, and give you that diversity and if you're not getting 30 plus plants per week it's really important that you start to work towards that and lots of our clients love this they find it super practical you know we're looking at your fruits your different kind of fruits different kind of veggies different nuts and seeds herbs and spices legumes beans different whole grains like they're all great foods that people love to eat that we can incorporate and I think we had that one client Steph that took it to 30 plant foods per day I know to another level (laughs) she really did and she was like at first, so shocked. She's like, 30 plants a week, it's so many plants. And keep I in mind, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just fruits and vegetables, right? But it's all about mm. just, it's almost like gamifying, trying to get more variety and then people kind of enjoy that challenge. And the other thing is, is it kind of flips on its head. You know, there's always this idea of cutting out foods or what should we yeah. be subtracting, but instead it's an additive approach. And I think people Let's find that more. quite refreshing <laughs> and enjoyable. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. What about foods that are rich in probiotics like yogurt or sauerkraut Mm. or kimchi? Should people be aiming to include more of those as well for their gut health? Yeah, definitely. So I guess um, what we know about these foods in particular is they contain more probiotics. So I guess when we're talking about the probiotic space, we're looking for foods or supplements um, that have the probiotics in them. So if we're thinking about what a probiotic is, it's the actual bacteria that we're trying to add into the gut. So we're trying to increase the the diversity in terms of the, the different strains of bacteria that are in our gut. And the, the way to do that is by including probiotics. Now, when it comes to PCOS, we haven't quite got to the level where we know which strain is the one that is going to be the most helpful for PCOS. So in terms of like an actual probiotic supplement recommendation, we're not there yet. 
So our current focus is really looking at what are the food sources that contain these probiotics that can start to grow the number of strains that we do have in our bowel. And so this is where your probiotic yogurts, your your kefir, your kombucha, your sauerkraut, those types of things come into play and, and trying to include those into your diet regularly can help grow the number of bacteria that we have in the gut as well. And I guess on the other side of that, we're thinking about probiotics. We've got to think about what we call prebiotics as well. And so I always think of prebiotics as it's like the food for the probiotics. So we can introduce the probiotics or the new bacteria into the bowel. But if we don't give it the food to continue to grow and thrive and multiply, then that new strain of bacteria is essentially just going to die off and and go away. So, yeah, we have lots of people that might start taking probiotics, but their diets are just really low in these prebiotic fibres, which are really important for maintaining the gut bacteria. So I think while we're introducing probiotic foods, we need to look at lots of the these prebiotic rich fibers to make sure that we're getting we're feeding that bacteria as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the tricky thing about fermented foods is people are always asking for like how much and how often and it's kind of tricky to actually give specific advice around that. The 30 plants per day was kind of based on the study around people that ate that amount per week were more diverse gut microbiome equals more chance of having a healthier um, gut and also general health overall. But fermented foods, we don't really know quite yet. So the general recommendation is little often, like a small amount often, rather than like binging on like a significant amount of yogurt or kombucha or kefir or something like that in one go and trying to get it all in in one day or something like that. But rather a small amount often is probably best. The other thing that I always always like to mention as well is often we talk when we talk about endometriosis, there's a lot of conversation around irritable bowel syndrome and IBS. And the same is kind of true for PCOS, not at exactly the same level, but a 2010 study showed a link between PCOS and IBS. With those with PCOS, 42% of those with PCOS also had IBS, and that's compared to the normal rate amongst females of 10% IBS, so 32% higher, which is quite significantly higher. Now, PCOS is not technically characterized by the gut symptoms, so symptoms like bloating, abdominal cramping, constipation, diarrhea, or a bit of both, or excess wind. But it's really interesting to note, and maybe this is that kind of link starting to emerge, is that is it these differences in the gut microbiome? Is it those differences that change the way that they digest certain foods and that's causing the symptoms? It's really interesting. Obviously, we don't have the answers to these things and we're merely speculating here, but I think it's really fascinating to see that emergence. And obviously, irritable bowel syndrome requires a very individualized approach in terms of how we manage that from a lifestyle perspective, but it is super, super amenable to diet and lifestyle changes. And if you're interested in learning more about IBS, we do have a couple of episodes about it. 
uh, in our endometriosis series, which would still be really applicable to tune into. But I just wanted to flag that as well in case anyone who's tuning in is going, hmm, that sounds familiar. It's, of course, really important to first rule out any other causes of your gut concerns uh, that could be more sinister, like celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease, and course things like bowel cancer and so on so you want to make sure that you're working with your medical professional to get a diagnosis and not just go yep I tick these boxes I must have IBS it's really important that you get medically checked out and the diagnosis confirmed before you then work with a dietitian on your IBS management and also prioritizing that gut health whilst you're going through IBS nutritional management can be such a delicate balance so it's really best left to the professionals because can certainly set you up for Uh, worse gut symptoms in the long run if you try and navigate it solo, um, particularly if it involves any kind of dietary eliminations or restrictions. So yeah, I just wanted to note that as well. So Candice, what are your take-home messages for those who are listening in, who maybe have never thought about their gut health in relation to their PCOS before and are going, hmm, maybe I need to think about this a little more. What would be your key take-home messages for them? Yeah, I think certainly starting to pay attention to, to some of those things that you get, but I'd say number one is to work on that plant diversity. So, you know, start creating that list of how many plant-based foods you are having each week and really aiming for that 30-plus plant. And then looking at where you can potentially include more of those prebiotic and probiotic-based foods in your diet as well, just to to really work on promoting the the growth um, and keeping those bacteria nice and healthy as well. So these are the best things we can do at this stage. And then I'm sure we're going to have lots more to add to this over the next couple of years as well. Yeah, we're not at the point yet where we can prescribe a probiotic and know that it's going to change your PCOS symptoms. I mean, we're not at that stage for a lot of different health concerns and certainly not PCOS, but we're hopeful that, you know, that kind of level of research and detail and nuance will emerge, but we're just not at that level yet with the science. So it's probably not worth spending your money on a probiotic, hoping it'll be the cure-all. In fact, it's probably best you take that money and spend it at the grocery store on some (laughs) more different types of plants and perhaps a few fermented foods as well. Thank you, Candice, for sharing all about gut health and PCOS with our listeners today. It's always a pleasure. Now, for those of you who haven't already, make sure you head to the link in our show notes and you can apply to work with us one-on-one inside our PCOS Nutrition Coaching Program for next level support that prioritizes both your physical and your mental well-being, as well as managing your PCOS symptoms, including insulin resistance, lowering your androgens, any gut health symptoms, of course, as well as regulating and tracking your cycle properly. So if you'd like to work with Candice or anyone of the Dietologist team, the link is always in the show notes for you to hop on and fill in a quick form. And we can't wait to hear from you really soon. Thanks again, Candice. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of our PCOS mini series. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and mention the PCOS mini series. That really does help us get to know what you'd like and what we can create more of for you. 
And of course, you can also leave us a five-star rating on Spotify too. These mean the absolute world to us. So please, please, please take five seconds to go ahead and leave us a rating and review and hit follow on your current podcast streaming platform and share it with a fellow PCOS bestie, your sister, your family member, your partner, or just share it to your socials and give us a tag at the underscore dietologist. Until next time, everyone. Bye. Just quickly, are you currently trying to conceive or are you on a fertility journey? If so, you can feel like there are 101 things you could or should be doing when it comes to your preconception or fertility health. It's easy to get overwhelmed really quickly. This is exactly why we created our preconception lifestyle checklist. It's one page for you and one page for your partner, categorized into supplements, diet, lifestyle and environmental factors, and we focus on the low-hanging fruit. These are simple but effective strategies known to help improve your health and well-being for fertility and also for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby too. Over 5,000 people have downloaded it already. Do you want your free copy too? Head to the link in the show notes now to swipe your free checklist. Okay, let's get into today's episode. Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast, acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognizes the continuing connections to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to First Nation cultures and to the elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all First Nations people tuning in today. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation.